are so blessed, and I've mentioned before, this all really began with the building and Pastor Greg coming, and now it's the cherry on the top. Pastor Jesse Morales is here with us, with his family. We're going to have a great weekend, and so let's give him a nice welcome, Pastor Jesse Morales. Thank you, Senor. Amen. Praise God. It is a tremendous blessing. I do want to say, first of all, thank you to Pastor and uh, his wife for the invitation, but not only the invitation, the flexibility, uh, just with Pastor Greg's schedule. Uh, anytime he's out, I am home, and he's out, and I am home. <laughs> He doesn't live in Prescott half of the time. So I do appreciate the flexibility from Pastor Sullivan and being able to be here. I'm very grateful uh, just to be back in Rochester where the lilacs bloom and you can take a nice stroll on Charlotte Beach. And uh, all of that's still in there. It's still reference points. I correct people still. It's not lilac. It's lilac. Say it right. Where the A's become O's and the O's become A's in your accent and no, it's just more than anything, we're so grateful to be here with you, with you. That is really what we're excited about as uh, really glad to bring the whole family. Don't always get to do that on my trips, but, uh, but uh, of course this was a must. And so this week, I'm very excited for what God is going to do. I do want to encourage you to invite people out as I'm contending for the miraculous uh, this weekend, as I'm contending for the gifts of the Spirit to be at work in this. But uh, we're looking forward to a tremendous time, and I'm grateful for your time tonight, you coming, those who've traveled, make the effort to be here. I'm so grateful. It means so much to my family and I. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you have your Bibles. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I actually want to dovetail off of Pastor Sullivan's offering tonight. He primed what I'm going to minister on this evening. Because the purpose of this revival is exactly as he said. We, we didn't talk about this, compare notes or anything. It's just a truth at work and... The mind of God at work is the purpose is to remember. Remember, as Pastor mentioned, the start of all of this was when Pastor Greg came and you guys had gotten into the building and uh, here at this current location and kick-started everything as we are working through the last 40 years of the existence of this church and the impact that it has had not only on this community the last four decades, but in this region, in this region of the Northeast, in this region of churches, it is a church that stands out. And remembering is actually something that God wants us to do. In the passage we're going to look at tonight, God institutes that his people take the time to remember. And he actually gives a warning, a warning to not 
forget what God has done in their lives. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to read verses 10 through 12 tonight, a sermon that I've titled, The Blessing of Remembrance. It says, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery." The blessing of remembrance. Let's talk firstly tonight about the call to remember. Our text from the book of Deuteronomy, the word literally means second law. And this is the book that Moses wrote. It's the final sermons before the children of Israel go into the promised land. It's their final instructions. These are the things you need to remember. These are the things that when you step into that promise, when you step into that place of blessing, I want you to be prepared. I want you to remember. It's actually the theme of the book of Deuteronomy. When you read it, imagine it that way. The final words of Pastor Moses to his congregation. When you read it, think of that. What do we need to remember? It's the theme that throughout it. And you read all throughout. There's remember the past. Remember where we've come from. Remember the things uh, 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 of our history, of our story. Remember the success and the failures. Remember God's faithfulness. Even in the hard times, remember God's love. Remember the example that Moses set for you. Remember God in the present circumstances. Remember, especially when things go well for you. Remember and don't forget. Why does God tell us this? Why are we called to remember? Well, number one is simply because human nature is we forget. People forget. It's easy for us to just go through life and forget important things, valuable things. We lose an appreciation for things. Why? Because we forget. Right? You've ever been out with your kids at a store and uh, you're walking the aisles and they go, Hey, mom, dad, could I have this? Or they bring, you know, the latest iPhone, whatever, you know, can I have this? The latest toy, the latest fill in the blank. And you go, no, 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 not right now. And they go, ah, you never buy me anything. And then you get a reaction, kind of jealous girlfriend, you know, like a What? I never, I never buy you, I never, are you really saying this right? I never buy you anything? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What about that shirt? I bought that shirt. Oh, wow. Seriously. And, right, you get a little worked up, but it's, that's not just kids with parents. That's people. People are forgetful. In life, we forget. You ever met folks that have been through Intense circumstances. I, we had a, a person we, we pastored in, in one of our churches and it's like my wife and I would ask the question like, what else could go wrong in life? 
what else could go wrong? Like, there's nothing else. They've, um, you know, there's all kinds of violations in their past. They've done every drug under the sun. They've been held at gunpoint multiple times. They've, it's like, what else can go wrong? Because they forget. Time goes on and you forget. You forget the pain of that moment. You forget the desperation of that moment. You forget the moment you called out to God, God, take me out of this pit that I have dug myself with my choices, with my decisions because of my rebellion. We forget, we forget in marriage. When's your anniversary? It's, I'm not asking, I, I'm not trying to start any quarrels. To, I'm just, it's an example. It's totally hypothetical. But we forget. We forget those vows. We forget those commitments. We forget the value. With family in relationships, in salvation, in decision-making, in work, in ministry. This is why God says in verse 12, take care lest you forget. Take care means guard against forgetfulness. Protect yourself against this. See, remembering is a deliberate decision. It's an action. It's something that you choose to do. You decide to remember. You make a decision about it. The word remember is repeated 16 times throughout the book of Deuteronomy. The word remember is used 240 times in the Old Testament. Why? Because it's in our nature to forget. You have people concerned about the Nephilim named once. And 240 times in the Old Testament, don't forget. Research on forgetting shows that within one hour, people will have forgotten an average of 50% of the information you presented. Within 24 hours, they will have forgotten an average of 70% of new information. And within a week, forgetting claims an average of 90% of that information given. This is why pastors can preach topics, <laughs> not the same sermon, I'm the topics, because we forget. Let's think about the reasons we forget, secondly. When you think about why do people forget, aside from it's in our human nature, that's, that's just human error. But sometimes there are things in us that cause us to forget. Beyond just the normal forgetfulness of humanity, number one, people forget because of pride. In pride, we forget how much others have helped us get to a place of blessing. We forget That it was someone else that encouraged us. That it was someone else who followed up on us. That it was someone else who made an investment on our behalf. Verses 10 and 11. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, that He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you 
with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, remember. In other words, God is right. What is it when the Lord brings you in? When God did some things in your life down the road, don't forget when people made investments down the road. Don't forget that it wasn't you. You didn't accomplish that on your own. Others went before you. God was involved and you are reaping the benefit of others. First Corinthians four, seven for who makes you differ from another. And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Here, Paul is writing and he's pointing out this arena of pride in people. Pride is a blinder. Pride makes you think, I did this. I accomplished this. I got here on my own. No, other people did. And that's the question that Paul asks. Why are you boasting like you didn't receive anything? Because pride is a blinder. Pride, pride it hinders us. From seeing and in your pride, you forgot. I just did a Sunday school in Prescott titled A Thank You to the Faithful. And in that uh, one point, I just said, you know, the old saying is, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, know that it didn't get there by itself. And I told the church, I'm that turtle. Because everything in my life, everything in my life was paved for me. Every blessing, every good thing, it was paved for me. You could go back and look, because a man made a decision, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, to assume a church in Prescott, Arizona. And because God divinely orchestrated in 1984 for my parents to leave Los Angeles, California, the big city, and move to Nowheresville, Prescott, Arizona. I'm I'm telling you, you look back, and when you look back on the trail and the path and all the connections that bring you to where you are today, people were involved in that. Others were involved in that. God was involved in that, but pride is a blinder. The second thing that can blind us and make us forget is ingratitude. When we lack a grateful attitude and heart, we become forgetful of the present blessings that surround us. Verse 12, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Be careful because if you are not careful, ingratitude will cause you to forget. Ingratitude will cause you to forget about the blessings of today. I'm going to tell you something. It's really hard to be upset Angry, frustrated, annoyed, vexed when you're grateful. Try it. Try it sometime. 
I remember leaving a prayer meeting with our staff and just working through a season of battle. It's a season of fight. And we had prayed that morning and, and, and we're, you know, we're contending, we're re- rebuking every, uh, you know, hindering spirit, you know, and you're kind of in that fight mode. And, and I left and I was like still in fight mode. And I felt it. And I said, you know what? No, I, God, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. God, you're going to help us. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the faithful. Thank you for those that are involved. Thank you for those that are contending with. Thank you. And I'm beginning to exercise. And I went back the very next day and I told the staff, I did, I exercised gratitude yesterday. After that meeting. I tell you, it was really hard to stay frustrated and be grateful at the same time. The third and final uh, possibility of forgetfulness is selfishness. We forget when our focus is only on ourselves. Verse 12 says, don't forget God. When you lose sight of God and your focus becomes only on yourself, you will forget you you will begin to just look internally and be every decision becomes selfish every decision becomes uh, uh, about yourself uh, uh, gratification it comes becomes about you and your happiness there's some people they make foolish decisions well because well don't you want me to be happy no okay i i don't want you to be miserable but i also don't want you to go to hell And God didn't say, you know, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will make you happy. There is a joy in salvation. Don't get me wrong. We don't need miserable saints here tonight. But when that is your focus, no, no, but that doesn't make me happy. Well, I'm not happy with this ministry. Well, I'm not happy working with that person. Well, I'm not happy because, and I'm not happy about, and I'm not happy when they said... And it will cause you to forget. The problem is forgetfulness will cost you. See, God is reminding us and warning us because He loves us. See, the consequences of forgetfulness involves, number one, disaster. God tells them in advance in order to help them. Don't forget, but... You read beyond Deuteronomy, you don't read a, a, a story, a history of, man, we remember, we remember, we remember, we look back, we, you read a story of forgetfulness. Look at the book of Judges, it's a pendulum of let's live right, we forgot, let's live for self. Oh, we forgot, let's live right, oh, we know, and it's back and forth. The old quote, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it in the future. Some people, why, why, why do I make the same mistakes? Because you don't remember. You don't decide to remember. You don't choose to remember. The second consequence is instability. There's a cons, uh, 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 there is a constant instability in life when you do not remember. 
Proverbs 22, 28, do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Why? Because that is what keeps you stable. That is what keeps you in line with truth, in line with the Word of God. The problem is when we forget, we drift. We drift away from what we know is right. We drift away from what God wants us to do, and we start to do what we want to do. We drift away uh, from God's uh, uh, promises. We we drift away in our obedience uh, to God's Word, and that produces an instability. These are the consequences or the cost of forgetfulness. Let's close. Let's think about the blessing of remembrance. See, God reminds us to remember. I said before, because he loves us. But he also wants to help us. Thank God, right? He wants to help us. And remembering actually has practical benefits. The first benefit of remembering is protection. There's a supernatural protection that is unlocked when you remember. Number one, because you'll be able to not make the same mistakes as before when you remember. But secondly, you don't have to make the mistakes of others. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 6 says, Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. See, Pastor Greg has commented and said the Bible is an honest book. It's an honest book. It tells us the re- the realities of people's lives and decisions. It doesn't just tell us the good things. It doesn't just tell us the victories. It doesn't just tell us what we want to hear. No, look at, look at David. In, in one chapter, he's, he's a, a young and zealous for the things of God. And he's looking at Goliath and he's hearing the words that he's saying, the curses that he's speaking. He's, he, how long has this been going on? They're telling him 40 days. Why? Why has this continued? This is unacceptable. He says, I'll fight that giant. There's zeal and passion and a, a, a fervence in his spirit. And we know the story. He slings that stone and Goliath falls and he beheads that giant and the Philistines flee and there's victory. But we also read of a David that failed. We read of a David that was judged. We read of a David that lost sight of God, that lost confidence in God at certain times in his life. It's both. And why do the, why does the Bible tell us that? Why does it give us both realities? Because as 1 Corinthians said, this is an example. You don't have to make the same mistake. You don't have to do the same things that David did or the children of Israel did or Solomon did, whatever the case is, whoever character, there's things we can extract from their lives and apply to us that we might not desire evil as they did. Zelenor Eleanor Roosevelt that said, learn from the mistakes of others, 
You can't live long enough to make them all yourself. That's good advice. Some of you, it may be, it looks like you're trying to make all the mistakes yourself, but that's another sermon. The second thing that uh, a practical benefit of remembering is wisdom. When we remember the past, we can apply that knowledge to the decision of today. That's really what wisdom is. Knowledge applied. It's not enough to know. No, folks, no, no, I know. Pastor, no, I know. I know. Okay. Now do. (laughs) When David fought Goliath and when David fought the bear, he said, and I believe God's going to help me today. There's reference points. He remembered. Psalms 102.18, let this be recorded for future generations so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. Let this be recorded for the future. Let this be written down, remembered, because when future generations hear it, they'll give God praise. The Bible is filled with success and failure stories so we can apply wisdom today. So how do we successfully remember? It's not enough to say so. Just remember. Number one, we need to maintain a heart of humility. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility, what does that word mean? It's not, you know, it's like, I'm, everybody, I'm so proud of how humble I am. Yeah. What, what does that look like? It's not that you, you keep your head, you know, downcast and a little to the side and it's not in the way you talk. Like, oh, I, I don't know why they, I, I don't know why they asked me to hold this microphone and speak to you tonight. I'm just so humbled to, that's not humility. Humility is an honest assessment of where you are, of who you are. Humility is an honest awareness. And when you start there, humility allows you to be teachable. You're teachable. And when you're teachable, it drives you maybe to remember or to seek counsel because I want to learn, because I, I'm willing to accept, I'm willing and I recognize I need help. I recognize I don't have it all figured out. I recognize, yeah, when I look back, uh, there's a trail of fires and dead bodies, um, I'm not doing something right here. That's humility. You're teachable. And that's the first step to successfully remembering. Isn't that what what God is speaking? When, When you go into that land, remember the Lord your God who brought you. I I moved on your behalf. 
Yeah, that's revelation. We need God. Secondly, as we maintain an attitude and heart of gratitude, Philippians 1, 3, I think, my God in all of my remembrance of you. Gratitude and appreciation. As I said earlier, it's hard to be something and ungrateful or, or grateful, I should say. It's hard to do that. Gratitude, look at the science of it. Do your own research. Search your own YouTube videos, you know. That's research today. Look at your own TikToks, you know. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) But the science of gratitude, it, it changes. Even writing down just a few gratitude statements, they say can last up to a couple months of a heart change. It's powerful. And so here's Paul. Think about this. This scripture, I want, I want you to put yourself in Paul's shoes when he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Here Paul has gratitude, even though he's writing this letter from prison, even though he's in difficult circumstances and situations, when he remembers a faithful congregation, when he remembers a faithful people, when he thinks of those faces and those names and those those loved ones that are praying for him, that are lifting him up, that are sending words maybe of encouragement and all that he said, in all of my remembrance of you, I thank God. It changes his entire perspective. Lastly, as we maintain an outward heart. An outward heart. Be selfless. Think about others and how your decisions will impact their lives. Sometimes you think, hey, it's my life, my problem, my choice, my decision. If it hurts me, it hurts me. No, it hurts other people. It affects other people. It impacts other people. I tell you, when you're here, it impacts other people. When your heart is right, it impacts other people. When you set a godly example, it impacts other people. And that's that outward heart. Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. How does this decision affect that person? How does this decision affect that new convert? How does this decision affect those I'm serving in ministry with? What are these words? What are they going to do? How are they going to impact? How are they going to influence? When you have an outward heart, you remember and you think those things through. I close with this. In late August of 2019, Kristen... Walenga suffered a sudden cardiac arrest episode. This is, you know, the heart just suddenly stops. It's not a heart attack. It stops. She crashed to the floor in her kitchen. Her son, Eddie, 15, rushed to her aid. As two other siblings were horrified, seeing their mother on the ground and motionless, Eddie, who had taken a hands-only CPR class a few years earlier in middle school, he quickly realized, mom isn't breathing, mom has no pulse. And the training from that, it just kicked in. 
And he began chest compressions while Nate, one of the siblings, the brother, he ran to get help from the neighbor. The neighbor's son happened to be visiting was a former army medic, ran to the house to assist Eddie. Paramedics finally got on site. They got pulses back. Kristen, she survived. After some time went by, Kristen sat down with her son, Eddie, and asked, how did you know that this was the right thing to do? How did you react so quickly and know to start CPR? And Eddie said, even after a couple of years, a few things stuck in his head from that middle school health class. And Kristen is alive today because Eddie remembered. Because he remembered. You know, there's people that are going to be saved because you remember. There's people that are going to come back and be reclaimed because you keep a heart that remembers. There's churches yet to be planted out of this congregation because you remember. That's what this revival is about. As, as pastor has brought in pastors that have had an impact that have served, what do we do? We're remembering so we can move forward. Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed, a time and the blessing of remembrance. Amen. Before we pray tonight, I and many come to the altar, I want to give an opportunity. You're here tonight. Maybe you've been invited. Maybe you even regularly attend. But tonight, as I'm ministering, as I'm preaching, you recognize that your heart is not right with God. That your sins, they're not forgiven. That if you were to stand before God, a holy and a righteous and a clean and a pure God, if you were to stand before Him, your stain of sin, that mark of sin, it's at work in you. And right now you recognize, I am not saved. I am not born again. I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I need to be. I tell you, Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect and sinless life. Left His throne in heaven. Lived as you and I. But He lived sinless. There was no stain, no mark. The Bible says that, that He said, I have lived and Satan has had no hold on me. There is nothing, nothing that Jesus Christ did wrong or sinful, but he took that sinless and clean and pure life and he shed his blood on our behalf. The cross is more than an emblem that represents Christianity. The cross was the punishment that we deserved. The cross was the punishment that our sin requires. The cross is God's opinion of sin. But Jesus paid it in full on our behalf. And what we need to do is put our faith in that. In that finished work at the cross. Put our faith in the name of Jesus Christ. For there's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. Tonight you can repent and be born again. You can have a new start. 
a new life. And I wonder how many there'd be right now. You say, Pastor Sullivan, Pastor Jesse, I am not born again. I'm not right with God, but I want to be right tonight. I want to get my heart right tonight. If that's you and you want to pray and invite Jesus into your heart, would you lift your hand quickly high where I can see it? Because I want to help you to pray tonight. You say, yes, 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 that's me. Yes, I want to give my life to God. Yes, I'm tired of my sin. I'm tired of the emptiness. I'm tired of the lack of fulfillment. I'm tired of my rebellion, my sin, my addictions, what, whatever it is tonight, Jesus Christ is your answer. How many would there be? You'd lift your hand. Pastor, I want to pray. I want to give my life to God. Maybe you're backslidden. One time you knew the love of God, but tonight you're far from God. At tonight, this very sermon is you. It's your life. It's your story. You forgot. And you went back. Back to sin. Back to old choices, old habits, old decisions. Do you want to get right? You want to rededicate your life to God tonight? Would you lift your hand? Yes, that's me. Yes, I want to pray. Yes, I want to get my heart right. Quickly lift it high where I can see it. I just want to pray with you tonight. Amen. Amen. Speaking to believers then. The blessing of remembrance. This is something God, He instilled. Something He calls us to. And this altar is prepared. As you've done this throughout the year, but maybe there's some things God has spoken to you. Things that have fallen by the wayside. Things that you have turned back to. Things that you have let go on. This altar is prepared to say, God, I'm remembering and I'm building an altar of remembrance. I'm changing that. Amen. These altars are open. Let's all stand together. We're going to worship God and then pray together. Amen. As we sing a chorus this evening. You come, you speak to God tonight. Hallelujah. I saw He was clothed in glory. Hallelujah, Father God. And the train of his robe filled the temple. circled round him and cried